Thanks for tuning into the Central Church Podcast. We exist to introduce people to Jesus and help them follow Him. To learn more about Central, access tons of content, and find the location nearest you, download our Central Church app. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message, and we're so glad you could join us today. Good to have all you guys with us today. Thank you for joining us. If you're watching online, welcome. Good to have you. If you're joining us at one of our Central Family locations, so honored to have you with us today. And as always, if you're joining us uh, in our partnership with God Behind Bars and different prison facilities, if you're watching there, thank you for being with us. Yes. All right. Well, I wonder, um, are any of you like me? Do any of you have trust issues in different areas in your life? Like, I've got some trust issues. i got trust issues with dentists. Uh, no, no offense if you're a dentist, love dentists. I've got some great friends that are dentists or in the dental field. But I've got trust issues with dentists. And it just goes back to different experiences, like them telling you, hey, this, this is only going to hurt just a little bit, right? And then they stick that massive needle in your mouth. And, uh, man, I'm, like, jumping out of the chair. Trust issues, people. I also have trust issues with um, these veneers, I have veneers on my teeth because I grew up drinking like well water and so my teeth were a mess. So um, I have these veneers like glued to my teeth. But I remember once I was eating a bagel and um, I took a bite into the bagel. Lori was with me, my wife. And when I pulled the bagel back, my, my veneer was stuck in the bagel literally right there. And she laughed an obnoxiously long time. Any of you have friends or family who do this? They just laugh way, 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 way too long till it goes from, ha, 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 that's funny, to now I'm getting ticked off. <laughs> that's where we were when it came to the front veneer. So anyway, I have trust issues. I'm always thinking that my teeth are going to fly off in the middle of a message, no lie. So I have trust issues when it comes to dentists. I have trust issues when it comes to uh, shrimp. When I was in high school, I uh, was in a situation where I worked in catering, and at one point we were cleaning all these shrimp and going through the whole thing, and finally, um, and I kept eating some of them, and finally I turned to the guy next to me, and I'm like, so this, uh, this shrimp, uh, what is this thing inside this shrimp, you know, that I'm, I'm cleaning out. And he explained to me that that's like the, you know, the digestion tract. That's shrimp poo, basically, which I have been eating because I was throwing them in my mouth before I was washing them. And it just ruined me. To this day, it drives my wife crazy. I try to eat shrimp. I try to like shrimp. I just can't do it. I have shrimp trust issues. It's deep. It's deep. We all get trust issues, usually when we've been burned, when we've been through something in our lives. You have a friend who, uh, you know, doesn't keep their word, and it can make you a little leery towards new friends, thinking they won't keep their word. Uh, you go through a relationship breakup where somebody betrays you, and so, you know, it really has a huge effect on your heart and on your ability to trust moving forward. You can get trust issues with work, you know. Some of you have been through a layoff or a furlough situation, and it just sort of shocks you and you didn't see it coming, and then trying to kind of figure out how to move forward from that, it could give you trust issues. You can get trust issues um, uh, as it relates to, you know, finances in your life, just about any area of our life. The church, you can get trust issues uh, related to the church. Somebody hurt you or didn't keep their word and, and uh, you know, can make you sort of feel like, I don't know if I can trust churches in general or if I can go back. Well, we all get trust issues when we've been hurt or when we've been burned in some area of our lives. And I think the challenge is in a season like this when 
um, there's so much kind of layered on frustration and uncertainty. Those trust issues can start to have a profound effect and they can layer onto a place where we start to believe the lie that the worst is on the way. You just start to think the worst is on the way. The worst is on my way for my health. The worst is on my way uh, for my employment prospects. The worst is on the way for my happiness. The worst is on the way for our marriage. The worst is on the way for my kids. The worst is on the way. And it can sort of strangle out hope in your life and leave you just really down, which is part of why we've been in this series called Out of My Mind. And we've been looking at how we can combat some of the lies that we allow to sort of run rampant in our mind in a season like this. Week one, we looked at the lie, I'm done. And we talked about how even when you feel like you're done, God isn't done with you. Week two, uh, we talked about the lie, I'm on my own. And if you miss those weeks, make sure to go back and check them out. And we said, you know what, you're never on your own when God is with you. And you're not your own. You've been bought with a price, so you are not alone. Today I want to talk to you about the lie, the, the worst is on the way. And I want to encourage you because as you look to the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you see this sort of concept that God is always preparing a future for his people. I mean, even when you fear the worst, God is preparing the best for his people. And so let's look at it. We're going to look at a famous passage today, Jeremiah chapter 29, uh, verse 11. This is a passage that people love to plaster all over social media. It's a passage that uh, people will um, use in all kinds of different ways. People will put it on the fridge. People will put it up in the car. Uh, you know, people use this all over the place. You may have seen it before, but we often don't sort of take into account the larger context of this passage. So let's check it out. We'll bring it up on the screen here. And when we get to the red words, I'm going to ask you to say these out loud with me, but here's what we read, Jeremiah 29, 11. This is God speaking to the Israelite people. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a what? A future, say it with me, and a, and a hope. A future and a hope. Turn to the person next to you and say, I have a future. You have a future. Turn it back to that person, or if you're at home alone, say it out loud. I have a hope. This is what God was giving his people, a future and a hope. Listen, we read this verse and we think, that's nice. God's awesome. He's going to give a future. He's going to give a hope. He's going to take care of his people. That's great. But we often don't sort of take into account the context of this verse, because it's not just like a feel-good verse. It's not just something to throw up on social media, like almost like hype, hey, just blind optimism. God's got a future for you, even though right now it's horrible. Um, when you look at Genesis, uh, Jeremiah 29, this verse comes to the Israelites when they're in one of the lowest places in their entire history. Let me just set the stage of this verse. The Israelites have been uh, conquered by the Babylonians. Babylonians had come in, they had destroyed the city of Jerusalem, they had even tore down the temple, which was like the presence of God to the people of Israel. It was like, you know, God had left, the temple had been destroyed, the people had been pulled up into captivity, and they had been taken hundreds of mile, miles away into Babylon. So when Jeremiah shares these words, he's sharing them to a group of people that have lost absolutely everything. They've lost their savings, there ain't no 401k, like they they 
they lost their homes, they lost their family lands, their farms, any generational wealth, it's gone. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that they have. All they would have looked around and seen is disaster and loss. Sound familiar? That's where the Israelites were. And it's to them in that moment that God comes and says, I have a plan for you. And it's not simply for disaster. It's a plan for good. I have a future and a hope for you. Listen, your disaster does not define your destiny. God's plans define your destiny. And so even when you fear the worst, God is preparing his best. And right now you may be in a season in your life, I know I'm speaking to somebody, you just feel like, man, things are bad and they're getting worse, and it may be in the short term, they will get hard. They may get harder. It may be tough. But don't miss this. God is always calling us as his people to hope. We're always called to look forward past the immediate situation to what God is preparing for us. And for you as a follower of Jesus, I'm telling you from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible declares it, the best is yet to come and you got to hang on to that in your life right now the best is yet to come so what do we do right now to deal with our own disappointment well one principle from this passage is simply this look past your disaster <laughs> look past your disaster how many animal lov lovers do we have any any animal people okay you'll appreciate this um, this is a little slide I'm gonna bring up it's a giraffe and uh, it's called the first kiss and so you got a little baby giraffe here and big mama giraffe reaching down planting a nice little kiss In fact tur turn to the person next to you and just say ah first kiss but you know what's fascinating is that's not actually how it happens with giraffes I was reading about this veterinarian who was at a zoo that he worked at, and at this zoo, um, they, uh, they got to witness the birth of a baby giraffe. He'd never seen one, and so they're all sort of standing around, and, and this big mother giraffe's getting ready to give birth. Now, the first thing that's fascinating is the mother giraffe doesn't lie down to give birth. She gives birth standing up. So the first thing that happens when the little baby giraffe, cute little baby giraffe, comes into the world is the baby giraffe drops like 8 to 10 feet. Boom. Welcome to the world. Somebody say, I relate to that. That's what, it, that's what the last month has felt like in my life. You know, somebody's like, I relate to that. Just boom, right there on the ground. And then, you know what Mama Giraffe does is she looks at the baby. The baby sort of scrambles around and gets his, his or her legs up under them. And in this case, the veterinarian said he's watching this happen. And the mother giraffe walks over to the baby giraffe. And now's the moment for the first kiss. Except the, baby, the mother giraffe doesn't kiss the baby giraffe. She kicks him. Boom. And the baby giraffe goes rolling. And the veterinarian turns over to the zookeeper, this old zookeeper. He goes, hey, man, what, what, what was that about? Because he's thinking, that's just cruel, right? That's wrong. And the zookeeper goes, she wants him to get up. And so the little giraffe, sure enough, starts to kind of get itself together and eventually get its wobbly legs under it and it stands up and everybody's cheering and yelling and would you believe that mother giraffe walks over to the baby giraffe and kicks it again knocks it down and it goes across the room the veterinarian's like what is going on and so he turns over to the zookeeper he's like what's happening the zookeeper just says she wants it to remember how to get up 
That's what happens in real life when a giraffe is born. It's not the first kiss, it's the first kick. And the reason is, according to the zookeeper, a giraffe that can't get up is a dead giraffe pretty soon. A giraffe that can't run is a giraffe that can't defend itself. A giraffe that can't kick is kind of on its own. So the first thing that mother giraffe wants to do is teach that baby giraffe how to get up fast, get up on your feet, and be able to get moving. And by the way, I didn't know this. Did you know that a giraffe can take out a lion with a kick? They ain't messing around. And so a lot of us, we think, life should sort of be like that image that I showed, first kiss, right? The mother kissing the child. Life should be kind of lollipops and I'm running through the fields to the sounds of music, you know. But what we actually experience, little kid thought that was funny. What we actually experience feels sometimes more like first kick than first kiss, doesn't it? And some of us right now, if we're honest, we'd say, man, I've been, I've been kicked around. I've been pushed around at work. I've been pushed around in unemployment. I feel like I've been kicked around in my family. I feel like I've been kicked around in life. And I'm not sure where God is in the middle of all of this. I just feel like I keep getting kicked around. But I want you to know, as you look to the Bible, the Bible never says we won't go through trouble. See, if your image of God is more like the image of that first kiss picture, you're going to be really frustrated when you face the difficulties of life, like we're facing now, when we face pandemics, when we face hard and challenge. Jesus says that we will have trouble, but he says, take heart. He says, you're going to have trouble in this world, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's what we have to hold on to. Yes, we get kicked around. Yes, it's hard, but what we have to hang on to in the moment is hope. In fact, there's a few ways that we can look at the future, and I thought I would just categorize these uh, here on the screen. Uh, one way that we can look at the future right now is through what we might just call hype. <laughs> and uh, that's just sort of blind optimism. Uh, you know, hype just comes along and for no real reason just says things are going to be good, things are going to be better, everything's going to be fine. In fact, the Israelites, they find themselves in captivity in Babylon, and... Um, the false prophets were coming along, and in God's name, they were saying, this is only going to last a year or two, and then we're going to go back home. This won't be long. Everything's going to be fine. And they were basically offering this kind of blind optimism. It's like the song Annie. You know, remember that song, uh, the sun will come out tomorrow. Remember this? Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow, right, there'll be sun. And right now, it would be a temptation for people to just be like, things are going to get better, things are going to get better. And you're like, why? How? See, blind optimism doesn't fully address the problem, and blind optimism doesn't really have a hope that grounds it. Another thing that we might be tempted to do in this season is to look at the world uh, this way. We'll bring it up here on the screen, through our hurt. And it's our hurt, it's our disappointment, it's our frustration, it's everything we've been through in the last five or six months that it just causes us to look out and, and all you see is an expectation of bad, right? It's bad and it's going to get worse. You know, it's, it's, it's awful. These people are in the coffee area at work. Hurt. But there's another way we can look at the future, and that is with hope. Hope is a confident expectation of good 
And for believers, it's a confident expectation of good that is based in God and who he is. Hope doesn't, doesn't turn an eye to, to optimism. Hope is very optimistic. Hope also acknowledges things hurt and things are hard and it's okay. But hope looks past the current situation and believes fundamentally that God is working for the good of his people, that God will work all things together for his glory, that God isn't finished, that God isn't done, and that God does not abandon and turn his back on his kids. That's hope. And right now, you may be tempted to think that, hey, the worst is on the way. And that doesn't mean that the worst won't come. And it doesn't mean that we won't face difficulties in the short term. But we have to hold on to the greater truth that we have a confident expectation of good that is based in God. We've got to look past our current disaster or situation and look to God in hope. Listen, fear says my plans have fallen apart. But hope says God's plans are still coming together. Fear says, I will lose everything, but hope says, I will always have enough. Fear says, look at the risk, but hope says, look at the reward. Fear says, it will never work out, but hope says, God works all things together for my good. Listen, fear says, this will ruin my life, but hope says, God can renew and restore my life. Fear says, I must protect the future, but hope says, God is preparing my future and nothing can stop him from giving it to me. Listen, fear says, don't take another step, and hope says, Take your next step of faith. Fear says, what if we get hurt? And hope says, what if I get healed even if I get hurt? Fear says, I'll be on my own. And hope says, God will never leave me alone. Fear says, the worst is sure to happen. Hope says, the best is on the way. Look past your disaster. Even when you fear the worst, God is preparing his best. Second principle I have for you today is simply this. Don't fade away. Don't fade away. Because this is a season right now in the midst of a pandemic, and it's been going and going and going, where the temptation is to just pull back and to start to fade away. You know, around my house, a lot of things disappear, especially food. Pizza. Pizza does not last at my house. I mean, every time I go back for a piece of pizza, it's, not, it's just all gone. Everybody, they just, I don't know where it goes, but it's gone. It mainly goes to my son, Ethan. He just devours it. Or he hides it. I've, I've found out later. He hides his future stash. Chips. Chips don't last in my house. Anybody feel me here? Like the chips are just gone. Even healthy food. I, I went to the fridge. I opened it up recently. And this is our little apple compartment in our fridge. Sorry, you have to look at all of our fridge junk. They're just apples back here. It says Ethan's apple compartment. Lay off, dad. He'd had enough of me eating apples. Apples, come on. That's good stuff. That's good for you. But food disappears around our house. It goes fast. And you know what also tends to disappear in the midst of hurt and pain and disappointment is our hope. Our hope tends to disappear. Uh, we, we tend to start pulling back. We tend to start fighting mental health battles and the struggle with depression and anxiety and all of that. That's what tends to happen in seasons like this. And often the more hopeless you are about the future, the more listless you are in the present. Right? We just sort of pull back. And this is what the Israelites were doing. 
They found themselves in Babylon, this whole other country. They didn't ask to be there. They had been taken there as captives, and the people just start pulling back. They're not having kids. They're not building homes. They're not taking care of things. They're not doing any of the normal things of life. It's like everything stopped. Their whole world just stopped. And you know what? God comes to them and basically says some interesting things. He says, um, first of all, he says, plant gardens. Any green thumbs today? Any, any, any green thumbs? You'll love this because gardens can be holy work. God tells his people, plant gardens, have kids, have grandkids. He's like, build homes. See, the false prophets were saying they were only going to be there for a year or two, but God basically through Jeremiah told his people, you're going to be there 70 years. Can you imagine that? Like the bummer of bummers. Seven, can you imagine somebody said the coronavirus is going to last 70 years? Like, I can't even. I don't believe that, by the way. But can you even imagine 70 years? Like, some of these Israelites are going, I'm going to die here in this foreign land. This is awful. And then God immediately says to them, plant gardens, build homes, have children, settle roots. Like, do not fade away. Look at what he says. Jeremiah, right after all that, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 6. This is for somebody today. He says, multiply. Now, somebody's going to go home tonight and be like, hey, pastor said that we're supposed to multiply, honey. Let's practice. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. You see that? God says to his people, in the midst of an unsettling time, don't you dwindle away. And what? Here's the word. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Work. Work. Work what? For the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. <laughs> this is not where they wanted to be. This is not the home ground. This is not the home team. But God says you work for the peace and prosperity of that city anyway. Pray to the Lord for it. Now, this is big. For its welfare will determine your welfare. This is a word for somebody today, because this applies to America as well. We've got to work for the peace and the prosperity of our city and for our nation. We've got to pray to the Lord for it. Why? Because the welfare of our city and the welfare of our nation, will will, that will determine our own welfare. So you may struggle with what you read in the headlines. This is not a political statement. This is beyond politics. we got to be praying that God is working and moving in our leaders and in their lives because if the city does well and the country does well, we'll do well. We'll be the beneficiaries of that. And, and, and they're, they're basically praying and working for the peace and prosperity of their enemies. But God says, this is what you're to do. Do not dwindle away. And this is a word for somebody today. Have you ever seen the movie Shawshank Redemption? There's a line in that old movie, and it goes like this, get busy living or get busy dying, right? What's it going to be? And I think right now, as this thing has gone on and on and on, that is a word for us today. Are we going to get busy living? Or are we going to get busy dying? What are we going to do? Do not dwindle away. I know the temptation can be to just pull back, close up the blinds, stop doing life. But now... 
willing to step out in faith and go for it. And I don't know what that looks like for you. It could be as simple as just getting up in the morning, early I hope, because it's, it's hot, getting up in the morning and going for a 20-minute walk, just saying, you know what, I haven't been taking care of my health, I haven't taken care of myself, I'm going to get out and do something. Maybe you make a commitment, I'm going to read a chapter of the Bible every day in this season. I'm not going to fade away. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine, he just turned 60. I said, man, what are you reading? Anything good? And, and uh, he looked at me, he goes, you know what, I'm reading Wealth of Nations. I'm like, dude, isn't that like a tomb? It's like a tomb from, it's written in 1776. I didn't know that, I had to Google it. I'm like, why are you reading that? This is just a normal guy. I'm like, why are you reading that? He goes, because I'm turning 60 and I'm committing myself to reading things that stretch my mind. You know what he's saying? I'm not going to fade away. I'm not going to fade away. Somebody, when the alarm goes off tomorrow and you just wake up, just remember this word from God to his people in a tough season. Do not dwindle. Do not dwindle. Just work, do whatever. Maybe it means you stay in the hustle for looking for a job. Maybe it means you stay in the hustle at work. You stay engaged. You work for the glory of God. Uh, just keep expanding yourself, learning new things. I've, I watch YouTube, just like my kids now. I watch YouTube, I think, more than any kind of normal television because I'm always learning new things. You know, I'm learning about engines or learning how to put a set of coilovers in. And I'm going to try that pretty soon. That's scary. Um, but, you know, I'm getting courageous now. I've watched enough YouTube to think I can do that. I can fix that dryer. You got a dryer issue? Call me. I'm your guy. I've seen the YouTube video. But, you know, I'm learning new things, right? I'm seeing things. I'm just, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that's cool. I never, I never knew how to do that. And I always thought I couldn't do that. But you know what? It's amazing when you put your mind to something. Here's what I tell you. If you think you can't, then you probably can't. But if you think you can, then in the grace of mercy of God, you probably can and it's a mindset that says, I'm not just going to dwindle. I'm not just going to fade away. I'm going to keep living my life. And that's not just about spiritual things. It's about anything. God tells his people, tend your gardens, build your homes. Somebody's been putting off a painting project because the whole world stopped. And you're like, why should I paint the room? Maybe you should paint the room because it's a statement to yourself and to your family that we're not just going to fade away. Maybe you should paint the room because it'll be good work for your soul. Sometimes people think that only people in ministry do God's work, that there's this thin line between the sacred and the secular. But, but I think that we all do God's work with anything that we do for the glory of God. Look, every time you wake up and care for your family, that's God's work. Every time you go to work and you serve people, that's God's work. Every time you repair or maintain something, it's God's work. Every time you encourage somebody, it's God's work. Every time you clean up a mess or bring order to chaos, that is God's work. Every time you create something beautiful or useful, that is God's work. Every time you improve your mind or help others understand, that's God's work. Every time you honor your body with good nutrition and exercise, it's God's work. Listen, every time you engage with your faith community, that's, that's God's work. Every time you pray for someone, it's God's work. Every time you help someone, that's God's work. Every time you show up to do good, even when it feels like everything is going bad, that's God's work. And listen, the Bible promises that nothing you do for God is ever lost or wasted. So take a stand. Work for the good of those you love. Work for the good of your city. Work for the good of your church. Don't fade away, right? Even when you fear the worst, God is preparing his best.
Look, people can fade, organizations can fade, churches can fade. I've been so proud of our church in this season. We've just said, you know what, we're not going to dwindle away. We're not going to fade away. We're going to do what God calls us to do. We're going to serve people in their needs. We're going to serve food to people who are hungry. We're going to help the emotional and spiritual needs of people. I love hearing stories about it. I love hearing stories about people who are, who are taking care of their neighbors, people who are going and checking on their neighbors, stories about people who are leaving water and snacks out for people delivering goods to them and services to them. Stories about people who are over-tipping at restaurants and giving a little extra to friends with their side hustle. And, and maybe they didn't even need a certain job done, but a friend needs the work, and so they're getting the job done. They're taking care of one another, and this is happening every day. People who are giving sacrificially through the church to provide for the city. This is all ways that we say, I'm not going to fade away. It may be tough, but God isn't finished. God is still preparing his best. Third idea is simply this, seek connection over clarity, especially right now. We all want clarity. We want to know when this thing's going to be over, when you can get back to work full steam, when things can get back to normal. But sometimes we don't get clarity, but we have something even better. We have connection with God. And so God says to the Israelites, Jeremiah 29, beginning in verse 12, he says, in those days when you pray, I will listen. That's an amazing thought, that you and I, when we pray, God will listen. Look for me, what? Wholeheartedly. You see that? Wholeheartedly. You will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. This is a word for somebody today. If you will look for God wholeheartedly, if you will seek him and pray to him, he says right here in his word that he will be found by you, the God of the universe. He may be in control of everything, but he still knows the number of hairs on your head. Come on, somebody, and for some of us guys, it's less today than it was yesterday. He, he, he still knows when every sparrow falls to the ground. He's aware of what's happening, and he says that he will be found by us as we seek him. So seek him with all your heart. I read this story Brennan Manning tells about this brilliant ethicist who went to Calcutta to visit Mother Teresa, who was this amazing nun and force for good and um, incredible person. And he goes to Calcutta. He's seeking clarity for his life. He's going to be there three weeks. And so he gets there to serve with Mother Teresa. And at one point, he gets an audience with her. And uh, she says, what would you like for me to do for you? And he says, well, I'd like you to pray for me. She says, what would you like for me to pray? He says, well, pray that I have clarity, right? Mother Teresa says, I will not do that. And he said, he kind of looked at her and he's like, what? He says, well, why not? She says, well, clarity is the one thing that you're clinging to that you need to let go of. He says, well, you always seem to have clarity. She says, I've never had clarity. What I have is trust. I will play, not that you have clarity, I will pray that you learn to trust God. That's good. I'd love some clarity right now, wouldn't you? But I have something even better. I have the opportunity to trust God. I have the opportunity to lean into him right now and allow him to grow my faith connection with God. It moves you in the right direction even when you don't have a clear understanding in your life. So don't let the lie begin to take root in your mind and in your heart that the worst is on the way because the Bible tells me different and my faith tells me different. 
which is even when I fear the worst, God is preparing his best and the best is still to come. I'm gonna look past my current disaster right now in my life. I'm gonna refuse to fade away and I'm gonna seek connection with God even if I don't have clarity. And as God says in Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to do you good and not destruction. And then he says, plans to give you a future and a hope. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never really crossed that line of faith. And I want you to know if you'll reach out to Jesus Christ and trust him in your life, God wants to give you a future and a hope today through his son, Jesus. He'll forgive you from your past. He'll fill you with his spirit. He'll restore you as you follow him. And he'll help you every single day of your life. You can wake up tomorrow knowing you will never be alone. God is always with you. He's got your back and he's walking beside you. You can trust him in your heart and in your life. So I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer to just open your heart to Jesus. Would all of you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're ready to take that step of faith, just repeat after me, either out loud or in your own heart and mind. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you in Christ's name. Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I wanna ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just reach out to God today. Acknowledge you're gonna follow him in your life. God bless you guys, thank you. Just trust him today. God, I thank you for each person reaching out to you pray you'll fill them with your spirit, your love, your forgiveness, your power, your goodness. God, provide for them, bless them, walk with them, walk with all of us as we follow you. We thank you for this opportunity. In Christ's name.